welcome to Integrating for Success. My name is Amy Noonan and I will be your host. Employment law is becoming increasingly complex and dynamic. Today, we want to discuss why employment agreements are a good idea for most of our clients who are employers. I have Carrie Sharpen here from Warden Updergrove's HR Solutions team. We like to say that her group specializes in all things people. Thanks for joining us, Carrie. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. So, so Carrie, how about we start with the basics? What is an employment agreement? Well, first, I just I thought I should preface this conversation with um, an some idea of what the HR team here at, is all about at Warden Up to Grove. Um, we are all about, all about helping our employer clients be better employers. So improving the employer-employee relationship drives results in company mm-hmm. performance and other things like loyalty. And these are all really important factors in today's work environment. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, employment uh, agreements are written and signed contracts that both the employer and the employee sign off before the employee starts working. We'll touch on that later and why <laughs> that's so important. But um, uh, employment agreements are really intended to provide clarity uh, and expectations for both the employer and the employee. Right. That makes sense. So what would be included in what you would consider a good employment agreement? Well, uh, it'd be, this is a good time for me to say that it really depends okay. uh, on the situation. We have there, uh, many variables. Employers uh, have different types of uh, legislation that might apply. Uh, the workplace is di- very different. So often um, through this conversation and a lot of our conversations when we're dealing with our clients, is uh, we often say might or could uh, mm. for obvious reasons. So just keep in mind that Understanding the industry, the type of work, the location, and other factors are really important before creating an employment agreement that captures uh, unique circumstances. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we do with each client is really get an understanding of their business and help them um, identify areas where they they could uh, organize the employment agreement um, Mm -hmm. in a way that makes sense for their business. Mm -hmm. So a good employment agreement will uh, document all entitlements for the employee. Some of those might be compensation like base pay or salary. Overtime pay is often a confusing um, factor unless Mm -hmm. uh, it's documented. Bonuses, if applicable, benefits such as uh, health insurance, uniforms, allowances, vacation pay and other paid uh, time off entitlements like Mm -hmm. personal or sick days uh, should be documented. Uh, Professional development and association fees that are required for their job. It's good to put that in there. Most importantly, uh, an employment agreement will include language around what happens if the employment relationship is severed. And Mm. we'll touch on that a whole lot more in this conversation because that is one of the most important pieces uh, of an employment agreement. Mm. However, um, employer expectations are also really important for employment agreements. Mm -hmm. So it's good to specify the hours of work, the expectations for working additional hours, Mm -hmm. evenings, weekends, breaks, time off work, et cetera. Uh, We often recommend a probationary period uh, clause to be included. 
Mm. Uh, requirements to maintain a license or designation. So if you need your employee to maintain some license in order to perform their job, uh, commitments to training and getting those designations, that should all be documented. Uh, layoff clause, uh, we really never thought it was going to be such an important clause until COVID happened. Oh, and, okay. um, you know, with the shutdowns, suddenly um, we were scrambling to help our employers look into their existing agreements. Was the layoff cl clause there and did it entitle them? There are some uh, legal uh, issues around laying off employees, mm -hmm. uh, which we can talk about in another podcast, but certainly <laughs> having that clause is really important these days. Right. That makes sense. Conflict of interest is also a really important thing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's really good to be clear about what what it happens if you're using company property to do work outside of um, out of outside of your job. Mm -hmm. And if you're using your skills to uh, perform work outside of uh, the, the client or the, your employer's work. Mm -hmm. Non-solicitation is also really important. We have seen some changes in employment law on um, com competing, um, non-competes and that sort of thing. Uh, but non-solicitation means uh, if there's an agreement in the employment agreement that says you can't, the employee can't um, go after your, your customers and right. your employees, then, then that does protect the employer. Mm -hmm. Obligations to follow the job description. Uh, job descriptions are really important too, <laughs> and usually an appendix to the employment agreement. So we can help with those things as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, we like to like, identify what laws do apply um, to the employment relationship. And most right. of the time, we're talking about Ontario laws with most of our Ontario employers. There are some exceptions where some of our clients are federally regulated, um, and that's a, a whole different set of legislation. But mm -hmm. generally speaking, we're, we're dealing with the province of Ontario in terms of jurisdiction. Right. So I hope that's a long list. Uh, and a <laughs> that complete is list a long for you. list. I was just thinking, wow, like this, this isn't just a, a one page contract that you're signing. This is a very important, very detailed document. So, I mean, I feel like you, you've you've touched on it, but could you expand on why these agreements are so important? Well, like the number one reason for employment agreements or contracts is clarity. So, um, you know, to my first point, the preface of all of this uh, conversation, it's good to have um, a great employee-employer relationship. And when there's ambiguity or misaligned expectations, you know, that's really damaging for that relationship. Mm. So an employee gets hired and they think they're getting paid overtime, but suddenly they realize they're not for some reason. Right. Um, how disappointing um, would that be for that Absolutely. employee? And it is really hard to come back from that. So having that clarity, um, we always tell our clients it's best to be sure that there's no surprises when they're hiring somebody new. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're not talking about the happiest things in those employment agreements, mm -hmm. uh, particularly the termination clauses, <laughs> what happens if we decide to end our relationship. Right. But it's a legally binding contract once mm -hmm. it's been signed off mm -hmm. and you know we go in with eyes wide open mm -hmm. and um and hopefully that guides the the relationship uh from the very first day going forward 
Right. And I, this actually reminds me of my conversation with Luke, with Luke about financial planning, how it's maybe a little bit uncomfortable at the beginning to look at these things and talk about sort of the worst case scenario, but at least you're ready for them and you're better prepared, um, you know, should they happen. Exactly. So what yeah. happens if there is no employment agreement in place? Well, um, it depends. <laughs> um, there is that confusion around hours of work, performance, entitlements, and so on. But it's when the employment relationship ends for any reason that, you know, if in the absence of an employment agreement, um, employees, uh, especially when the employer is ending the employment relationship, uh, that means that common law would apply. And, um, that does take the cost of the, the employment relationship. It could make it significantly higher in terms of legal fees and stress. Um, and, okay. and just overall, it's never a good, you're never in a good place when you're having, you're ending a, a relationship such as an employee employer relationship. It's always a difficult time. Right. So you mentioned common law and that's ringing, that's ringing a bell from my grade 12 law class. But what, what do you mean in this situation by common law? Well, it might help if I explain the minimum standards legislation um, first. So when an employment relationship in Ontario is severed without cause, so without cause means um, that there's no uh, the employee hasn't done anything really horrible, mm. but there's a decision being made by the employer to end the employment relationship. And that's generally how most uh, terminations are treated in Ontario without mm -hmm. cause. Right. Um, and we can do a whole other podcast on that, but I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> um, the Ontario Employment Standards Act requires that employers pay um, uh, employee certain minimum termination entitlements, which include working notice or pay in lieu of working notice and then severance um, on top of that for larger employers. And it's all based on length of service. Common law, to answer your question, uh, it goes above and beyond the ESA minimum uh, termination entitlements. And they're generally entitlements that have been decided in court cases mm. um, and could be significantly greater than the ESA minimums uh, that are mentioned that I just mentioned. So if an employee is terminated and there is no employment agreement in place, um, there could be legal action and employers could face unforeseen costs, legal action, lots of stress. And, mm. um, uh, you know, that that isn't the best way to end the employment relationship. And just no. going back to our preface, mm -hmm. we want to help the, you know, that employer employee relationship be it the best it can be. And mm -hmm. so we often will support our, our clients through that 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 process. Mm -hmm. um, however, we often hear from our clients um, once they've made, they've come to the conclusion that the term, the, the employment, the relationship should be terminated. Mm -hmm. And by then, you know, we start asking questions and we realize there's no employment agreement in place. Mm. And then we start having this kind of conversation about common law. Right. And yeah. trying to get ahead of it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so let's circle back because I think you kind of hinted at something earlier um, about the agreement needing to be signed before the employee starts working. So why is that? Yeah. 
Um, so again, this is something that's been decided in some recent course, court cases uh, in the past. And if you don't get the, the agreement signed by both the employer and the employee before their first day of work, at the time, if it were ever taken to court, it would be deemed unenforceable. So oh. we often do see employment agreements that are signed a couple of weeks after. Um, and unfortunately, there are risks around that. And when it's deemed unenforceable in a court, we go back to common law. So right. those entitlements are uh, generally more generous than um, the ESA minimums and uh, certainly can have some unexpected costs associated. So always, always, always before the employee starts on their first day, um, you know, get them to sign off. Which right. again, for us helping employers with employment agreements, uh, give us lots of notice as much as you can before the employee starts, and we mm -hmm. can help um, draft those employment agreements in well in advance of the right. employee starting. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Okay, so what if you are an employer and you have employees and you don't have a signed agreement? What what can you do? So unfortunately, this is a really it depends kind of a conversation. Mm -hmm. We'd want to talk to you, the employer, about, you know, what are the issues and risks that are happening for you um, mm -hmm. with your employees? Are you having some lack of clarity on expectations, that mm -hmm. sort of thing? Um, and if it made sense to, you know, put the agreement into writing, the, because in the absence of an agreement, there is some common law agreement that exists, mm -hmm. uh, at least in the court's eyes. Uh, so you might, as an employer, want to offer consideration uh, in exchange for a, a written signed agreement. But that can ha come with its own trials. Um, there's certainly, there, you need to pay the employee something. It could mm -hmm. be uh, a pay increase, a one-time lump sum bonus. It could even be increases in entitlements, such as vacation. But what they're doing is signing an agreement um, in exchange for that payment, that consideration. Mm. They're actually signing off um, potentially uh, other other agreements that they thought existed, if not in writing. Um, so it can be a very complicated process and difficult mm -hmm. to manage. Um, so it could end up with the employee refusing to sign the agreement and a negotiation process mm -hmm. um, uh, then happening. So, so it's not always the right thing to do. And yes, I said, it depends. And so, you know, this would be something we would want to talk through with mm -hmm. the employer and really understand what the major issues are. And we could take them through the, the best process uh, right. based on their circumstances. Okay. So I think the, <laughs> you've touched on a lot and I think you, people listening are realizing that um like I said, these aren't just simple one-page agreements. They are something that you should be taking pretty seriously. So what else should employers know about employment agreements? Well, um, the world is changing at a faster pace and <laughs> court decisions keep coming uh, out of uh, courts across Canada and even other countries um, do inform what common law may look like. Um, it gives us hints on how, you know, if we're doing, we're helping a, an employer with a termination or establishing an employment agreement, um, we are constantly, we find, uh, updating 
our termination language and various paragraphs and clauses in employment agreements because that just even a few years ago, um, you know, they're just no longer appropriate. Right. So we're constantly updating uh, legal agreements uh, from an HR standpoint. Mm-hmm. They're just, you know, courts are not allowing certain clauses, entire agreements are getting thrown out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of unknowns uh, with, with employment agreements. And I think that's important for employers to know. So if employers are using a templated agreement that they had drafted by a lawyer five years ago, it's likely no longer enforceable and it should be reviewed regularly. Okay. Um, So getting legal advice at the beginning of any new employment relationship is always a great idea. Mm-hmm. And and our firm, we do connect with various legal advisors um, on a regular basis for our, our own templated agreements, but mm-hmm. also connect our ad- legal advisors directly with the client, so mm-hmm. the client can be sure that they've they've got as um, the best possible agreement in place. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, so the world just keeps changing. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yes. No. The world just no. Keeps changing. It, it, that. Yeah. And I think. I think we did a post recently about, you mentioned, was it non-compete? Um, but I think you, yeah, there was a non-compete clause that came out that it seemed like it would change sort of the face of even recruitment and, yeah. and work that way. So that was very yeah. interesting. Yeah, exactly. If I were an employee listening to this podcast, what would I need to consider? Yeah, so it's always good for us to talk about the other side of the table. Um, A lot of the work that we do is with uh, employers, but um, the most, the other most important uh, person is the is the employee. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it is important for employees to seek legal advice before they sign a legally binding contract of any kind. Mm -hmm. Um, This is once it's signed off by the the employer and the employee, it's legally binding, and. Prospective employers should give uh, uh, employee or candidates um, or prospective employees enough time to review that employment agreement. And usually you should get three to five business days before being required to sign off. Um, And we do actually also have some legal advisors that specifically work um, for individuals, not employers. Again, you know, it's, you know, two different sides of the table. And right. so we can connect our, our clients who are individuals as well to, to legal advisors. Right. And that, that makes sense. Cause like you said, you want this to be a strong relationship. So why not have somebody to support both sides? So that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so do you have any final advice? <laughs> well, um, I guess I should say that a poorly written agreement can be dangerous and costly. So right. we have run into that as well, where mm-hmm. we've had clients who um, didn't understand what they were putting into writing, and that ended up creating a lot of stress and cost mm-hmm. for both the employee and the employer. Um, so employers should always be careful when they're copying and pasting an existing agreement over to a new employee relationship. Mm. Um, and you know, just remember, uh, legal advice is always important, mm-hmm. and one size just doesn't fit all in terms of an employment agreement. They should look very different depending on the type of job, the level of responsibility. So Mm. a managerial role should look very different in comparison to 
um, an entry level position. Mm -hmm. Um, Other things that you should keep in mind is that the status. So if it's a contract position, there should be Mm -hmm. an end date put in there. Right. Um, If you're occasional, it should be very clear that it's a casual Mm -hmm. work relationship. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Also, you know, if it's a full-time permanent position, you know, what does that mean? Right. And just to, you know, to finish off, you know, we're seeing jobs literally today being replaced with artificial intelligence and robots. We're seeing Mm. so many things happening in our world that, um, you know, employers are going to need to use the brains of their employees more and more. Mm. So the ability to have higher order thinking, so critically questioning things, Mm -hmm. using someone's historical knowledge of your business, Mm -hmm. um, their ability to have good, um, positive, professional conversations with your customers, those interpersonal skills, you know, these are the things that are going to help you uh, be very competitive as an employer. So um, keeping people engaged at work is, is just so very important mm-hmm. um, because we are using their brains. Right. People, people behave in uh, the most amazing ways at work in both a positive and in a negative way. And so our goal would be to help our employers really pull the positives Mm -hmm. from uh, both themselves and from their employees. Mm -hmm. And then just, you know, finally, misunderstandings about entitlements or expectations in the employment relationship can really have a negative effect on morale, productivity, performance. So just putting those things into writing um, in the employment contract uh, will really get uh, the relationship off to a great start. Mm, that makes so much sense. And I know I've already said this, but I just feel like it keeps going back to conversations I've had with other people on this podcast. You know, being proactive is just so valuable and it's going to save you from so many headaches, so much stress and potentially extra cost in the future. So I think that that's awesome. Um well, I, I think that's it, Carrie. I I am actually surprised how much I learned because I to be, to be honest, I, I see the word employee agreement and I'm like, oh, it's just, you know, you just kind of sign it and it's whatever. But <laughs> so I think this, I hope that our listeners get a lot out of this because I thought it was very, very helpful. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Well, thanks for having me. It was fun. <laughs>